0: Good morning, I had to run to get up here, I forgot we had a short little intro there this morning. How are you doing today? Uh, welcome to snowy Florida in almost April, isn't it? Right. Easter's just around the corner, and uh, today is Palm Sunday, and today is the day, listen, today is the day, 2,000 years ago, that a group of people lined the streets of Jerusalem, and they celebrating, they celebrated the triumphal entry of their king he rode in on a donkey. I want you to know, we're expecting Jesus to come back again. Come on. But this time, he's not going to be on a donkey. He's going to be on a white horse. Come on. And his name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Can we give Jesus a big hand this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) I look forward to that day. Come on. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. You look good today. You look really good. Ever had just kind of a, the word they use is serendipitous or serendipity. Have you ever heard that term before? Or I had to look that word up. I've used it. You ever use a word before, you're not really sure what it means, but it just kind of sounds good, it makes you feel smart. <laughs> but you ever had kind of a serendipitous moment, just, you know, just kind of a happen chance, like maybe you go to a restaurant, you look across the room and you see someone you hadn't seen in a long time and you thought, that's really strange. I just thought about them yesterday. Come on. I mean, you had something like that, driving down the road, you go to a go to church service, go to a conference. I went to, I went to Disneyland, Disneyland in California, and I saw a person that I went to school with. I'm like, like, what are the chances? You know, thousands of people, you're thousands of miles, you know what I mean? Just weird things kind of like that take place. And I had that happen a couple of years ago. Uh, I was walking to the airport. I was over here at OIA, and I was flying to Phoenix, and I was going to meet with a group of pastors, and as I'm walking through the airport, I hear this voice. And it's this voice inside me just says, you're going to sit next to that guy on the airplane. All right? I mean, come on now. I don't know about you, but I've never had that experience before. Like, I've never just been walking kind of, you know. And when you're in the airport, you're confused anyway because you're trying to make sure you got your ticket and trying to get, right, cause you're trying to get to the gate that you're supposed to be at. And you always feel like you're losing something, right? You know, you, you just always feel like you're losing your okay, keys and, you know, but anyway, so I'm walking. I hear this voice. You're going to sit next to that guy in the airplane. I'm like, okay. So I, I don't know what to think of that. So I just go about. and I'm moving towards, you know, the airplane. And I get on the airplane and I sit down at about five aisles back, not in the first class, just in regular class, about five uh, five rows back. And I'm sitting on the aisle seat. Now, I'm an aisle seat kind of guy. You know, the middle it doesn't work well for me. I've been stuck in the middle, <laughs> and I don't want to sing that song "Stuck in the Middle" with you. You know what I mean? I just don't like the middle. And sometimes, you know, the other little seat, look out the window, it's not too bad. But I really like that aisle. You can kind of spread out a little bit. And so I'm sitting in the aisle seat, and I'm messing around with my phone or whatever, you know, people do before they get ready to take off. And I look up, and I see this guy walking, you know, not just, you're walking on the airplane, and he's walking right towards me. Now, I'm looking around, and the plane is, you know, it's pretty full, and but there's an aisle seat right next to me. And I'm thinking, oh, this can't be and uh guess what guess where he sat right next to me i want you to see this picture this is the guy that sat next to me uh, his name is rabbi phineas zugai and rabbi phineas and i struck up a conversation now, normally uh, a man like this he's a hasidic jew he's extremely conservative and normally they wouldn't talk to a person that they consider to be a gentile They just they were goyim they wouldn't talk to us and but I don't know what happened at about, after about five seconds of him sitting next to me. We looked at each other, and we just started talking. And we talked and talked and talked. And I talked to him. Didn't come up for air until I landed in Phoenix again. I mean, we talked the whole time on the plane. And we actually developed a relationship. We're still friends to this day. Now, I, I want you to know something. I don't believe that was happenstance. I don't believe that was circumstance. I, I believe that God still speaks to his children today. I believe that. I believe that God still speaks to you and I. Now, generally, we're just going around life, and we're not thinking about God in those kinds of terms. But isn't it awesome that God can invade our world and talk to us anytime that he wants? But you know what we have to do? We have to listen. Isn't that right? And so today we're going to talk about this man by the name of Philip. We're in the 12th part of our series called The Empowered Church. Everyone say, The Empowered Church. And I don't know about you, but I love I've, I've loved doing this series through the book of Acts. It's just opened my heart and a greater, dimension, a greater dimension to God's work in my personal life, but also what I believe, what he wants to do through you and this church and our city, our community, and our world. Because I believe that God loves people. And the Empowered Church wasn't just for 2,000 years ago. The Empowered Church is for today. And we are people of the spirit. We are people who worship God in spirit and in truth. We have worshiped God in spirit just a few moments ago. Isn't that right? I was made for loving you. I don't know about you, but I'm up in the front. I'm like, oh, I don't care what you're doing back there. I'm just like going for God. I'm crying. First service. I'm on my knees because I was created to worship. You're created to be a worshiper of God. But our worship must always be grounded in the truth of his word. And that's why we read the scriptures every week, and we read them out loud. And I have you stand in honor of the reading of God's word. And so will you join with us this morning as we read Acts chapter 8. We're going to read the story of Stephen and an encounter that he has that not only changed his life, but changed the life of the man that he encountered that day. Acts chapter 8, we're going to read verses 26 through 40. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. And the Bible says now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jer- gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book, book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as the lamb before its shear is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is this prophet you're talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Now, if you're reading the New International Version, this next verse isn't there. I don't have time to get into a Greek lesson this morning, but I do like this verse that's found in the King James. It's verse number 37. And the Bible says, and Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may, the eunuch answered, You may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And now read verse number 38 in your NIV. And he gave orders to the chariot to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns, until he reached Caesarea. Here's my idea this morning that I want you to hear. Our message today, our message today is Jesus. And our message revolves around who Jesus is and what he's done. That's our message. It's all about Jesus. Everyone said amen. amen. I want to encourage you tonight. We're going to pray at church here from 6 to 7. We're going to be praying. We're calling it an hour power. Get plugged in. And we're going to be praying for our services. We're going to be praying for our city. We're going to be praying for a visitation of God. As you know, as Keith or as Miranda has mentioned, we have Easter services. We have these invite cards that we're going to challenge at the end of the service to pass out to friends. This is an opportunity for us to really open our hearts, our hearts and our spiritual home, and invite the city to experience the presence that we felt of Jesus this morning. And so, this morning we're going to pray for that. We're going to we're going to ask God to work mightily in our church. We're going to join together in prayer tonight. And then as a church family, I want to challenge you. Not only are we going to invite people this next week, but we're investing. We're going to be building a church in Togo, Africa this next year. And we're believing that the Lord is going to enable us to do that. We're going to have you bring a resurrection offering in celebration of Jesus' resurrection and what he's done in your life. We'll be doing that next week. So let's, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your great grace. Thank you, Lord, that you gave your only son, Jesus, for us. Lord, I love you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. Thank you, Lord, that you said, I would never leave you alone. I'll never forsake you. And you gave me the presence and the reality of your spirit who lives and dwells in me. Not only in me, and all those that are at the sound of my voice today. And God, I pray, Lord, that as you empower us to be the witnesses that you created us to be, that we'll never get distracted from the message of who you are and what you came to do. God, I pray over the city today. I pray over the community of Sanford. I pray over Seminole County and all the pastors and all the churches this coming week that there'll be a great sense of, of, the, of the presence of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus will be boldly proclaimed and countless numbers of people will come into the kingdom of God. We thank you, Jesus. I pray, God, you'll give your people spiritual ears to hear and help me to speak very clearly in this service the challenge that you have for us today. I ask this in your wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. If you've been journeying with us the last couple of weeks as we traveled through the Book of Acts, um, a couple of weeks ago we talked about Stephen and, and this man. He was just a good local church guy serving the Lord, kind of like Keith over here, just good local church guy, served the Lord, did whatever he was asked, paid his tithe, you know, shared his faith at work. He was he was a good guy, and uh, Stephen pays for that with his life. He actually is the first martyr. Someone once said the the, the seed of the church is the blood or the the, mar, the 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 blood that's been shed by the martyrs. The seed, the, there's something powerful about when someone is so willing to follow Christ to the place of death that God just honors that. And this man, Stephen, man, were for just doing good and for healing people and telling people about Christ and bringing a message of hope to his generation, there were people that didn't like it, and he paid for it with his life. Well, Stephen had a partner. His name was Philip. And Philip had five other guys that they were chosen by the first church to to represent them when there was times of need. And there was need. There was conflict. There was challenges that was taking place in the early church. And Philip was one of the guys that God rose up. There was something different about his life. And Philip, like Stephen, was used powerfully of the Lord. What, What I want you to hear today is a guy like Philip and a guy like Stephen give us all of his hope. Because every person in this room was created to be a minister of Jesus Christ. I mean, just because i got a microphone, I'm no different than you. I woke up this morning I, I had to get something to eat. I put, my, you know, I put my pants on. I tried to figure out what I was going to wear this morning. My wife said I should have wore this two weeks ago for Lucky Charm Day. <laughs> you know, I'm going to Easter. I'm still back in March. Yeah, that's all good. I'm... So I mean, we're, just, we're living life, but we've been created by God to be a minister. Every person in this room, a minister simply means a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to say this with me. Every member a minister. You're a minister today. Now You might not understand that. You might know that. But God has designed and created you for a purpose. You have something uniquely gifted and called to do that God will use you better than anyone else in the room. That's a fact. I know that. It's why we are so passionate about you seeing you take your next step and get in the growth track and and discover your gifting so you can really start to serve the Lord in the way that he's called and created you to serve. But when God starts to really work in a church, when God starts really working among a group of people, not everyone's going to love it. Not everyone's going to love it. And Stephen, along with Philip and the other deacons, they were, they were being persecuted for their faith. Listen, they were, I mean, for only doing good, just like Jesus only did good, they were being persecuted. And when great power is poured out, when miracles are happening, when people are being healed, when unexplainable things are taking place, not everyone's going to get it. Get it? It's just not going to happen that way. I've been involved in churches for a long time, and I've seen God work in great, incredible ways. And I know not everyone is happy with what you're doing. Not everyone was happy with what Philip was doing. So Philip was among those believers who were scattered. Because what was happening is Jesus, Jesus had given a promise to the disciples. It's the theme verse of the book of Acts. And you shall receive what? Power. let we'll say power. power. Come on. You shall receive power. let we'll say power. You shall receive power. That's what Jesus said. You, not just the preacher boy with the microphone, you shall receive power. And you'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem. And they liked to camp in Jerusalem. They were comfortable in Jerusalem. We get comfortable. We get comfortable in our jobs. We get comfortable in our homes. We get comfortable in our local churches. We get comfortable in our settings. But Jesus said, no, you can't just stop there. It's going to go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's exactly what's happening. And we see that shift starting to take place from Christianity for being for primarily all Jewish people to now we're going to see the gospel spread to Samaria and begin to make inroads into the ends of the earth. And that's what our story is about today. Our story today. Our message today. Our hope today is Jesus. He's the hope of the world. But you know this today if you're a follower of Jesus. You'll be misunderstood. You'll be misaligned. and You'll be misrepresented. Followers of Jesus. It wasn't just in their day. In your day. You actually take a stand for Christ. Come on, you know how uncomfortable that is today in your world. Come on, you know the things that the media, some of the things that are happening in our culture today, our culture is shifting so fast away from biblical values and any kind of understanding of biblical morality. It's hard for me to wrap my brain around. And we're being misunderstood. We're caught every day in the media, every day in the news, every day. Every day we're being misunderstood. We're being misaligned. We're being misrepresented. And sometimes we're misrepresented by our own. But many times there are false accusations made towards believers because they're simply believing what God says about people. That we're sinners in need of a Savior. And sinners sin, but they need a Savior. And Jesus is the only hope of the world today. When we start to talk about our faith in the public arena, you can feel that uneasiness. And it wasn't any different in their day. That God was moving by his spirit, and God was moving by his power. I looked at the story, and I said, there's some really amazing things taking place here. We're going to talk about some of these amazing There's some really incredible things. Things I don't know about you, but things that aren't necessarily happening in my life on a daily basis. And I'm sure they weren't happening in Philip's life on a daily basis. But this story gives us permission and understanding to to realize that God wants to do something supernatural through us today. You know, this story is really simple. God tells a guy to do something. The guy does what God says. And then something amazing happens. And you know what? That's exactly the pattern. God tells you to do something. You go and do it. And then God does something amazing in your midst. That's why you're here today. God spoke to me to move to Orlando from Seattle, I went and I obeyed the Lord. I just simply did what the Lord told me to do. And then I look around, and I see all the people that God has saved, all the people that have been water baptized, all the children that have been ministered, all the families that have been touched in this community around Central Florida. It's amazing. Look what the Lord has done. It is marvelous in our sight. Can you give God a big hand? But since we're going into our Easter season, this sermon, you know, normally I would do a, you know, Palm Sunday, victory, donkey message. But I just really, you know, we've been in this series, and I really want us to walk us through the book of Acts, because I believe this, this book is life-changing for this church. We are the empowered church. And this message today really gives us hope that we're, as ministers of Jesus, we can make a difference in one person's life. And coming into this holy season, coming into, you know, beginning, you know, actually days ago, almost 20, 20, 33 days ago, beginning with Lent and moving towards Easter, Palm Sunday, then Good Friday, Good Friday at 7 o'clock, we're going to gather together. Pastor Glenn's going to lead us in a message on the cross, and we're going to take communion together. And just going to prepare our hearts, because then. We're going to gather together Saturday and Sunday, and we've invited our community. Last year, we had over 1,650 people that attended our Easter resurrection services. Can you give God a big hand? And you know that happened. It happened because you invited people, and I'm going to challenge you at the end of the message today. I want you to prepare your hearts. Every, when you came in, you should have got a little card like this, and I'm going to talk about this card at the end of the message, because I believe that you're going to have a divine appointment. I'm believing for some divine appointments this week at City Church for you. For you, not the preacher boy. I'm going to I'm believing. I've got some people that I'm praying for, but I'm believing that you are going to have some divine appointments as you open your heart to what God wants to do. You know, I, there's some lessons that we can learn from Philip's life about sharing our faith, just about living the life, living a Christian life. I want to look at these. The first thing that I want you to see is right here in verse 26. The first one is the work of the Holy Spirit is often surprising and mysterious. The work of the Holy Spirit in your life is often surprising and and the first thing that we see here, that to me, that seems to be out of the norm, is an angel of the Lord shows up. An angel of the Lord. Now, in the Bible, we see angels mentioned all throughout scriptures. I mean, literally from the very beginning in Genesis to the very end, Revelation. 197 times God's angels are, are seen. And they do all kinds of things. I mean, angels simply means a messenger of God. Now, sometimes an angel could be in the Bible translated as a human, but generally when the word angel is mentioned in the Bible, it's some kind of supernatural being or entity and it's got a presence of holiness about it. There's a presence of holiness. Now, I've never personally seen an angel, but I have encountered things in my life that I could explain no other way other than something supernatural taking place. I know there's a spiritual realm. I believe it. I've seen things in the spiritual realm, but I've never personally had an angel come talk to me. But an angel came to this guy, Philip. Now, that's a little strange. It's kind of, That's a little probably out of ordinary. But God loves to do things that are out in order. God loves to do things that are extraordinary. God loves to surprise us. And so the angel comes to Philip and he says, Go south to the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Angels of the Bible are so prevalent. You know, we see them ministering to people. We see them serving God's people. We see them fighting battles on behalf of God's people. We see them bringing deliverance to Daniel and, and the lion's den. I mean, all these things. And we see angels ministering to Jesus himself. When Jesus was in the, after he'd fasted for 40 days and he was in the wilderness, the Bible says that angels came and ministered to him. So I don't want you ever to, to think that God still doesn't work in the way that he's worked in the past. And although we might have not, you might not have experienced it today, I'll bet you if we went around this room, there were people here that said, you know what, I had an encounter with something and there was no way else to explain it other than some kind of supernatural being that entered into my world, into my reality. And so God is working and Stephen is being instructed by the angel to go. You see, the Lord saw this man. The Lord saw this man. This man was coming back from a moment of worship. He had gone into Jerusalem. Here is this Ethiopian governmental, governmental official. He was the treasure for this queen. He was, uh, her name wasn't Candace, but it was her title. It was her position, like Pharaoh. Pharaoh's name wasn't Pharaoh, but it was his title or his position as king. And we see this Ethiopian, he's he's a good man. I mean, obviously, he's risen to a place of prominence and power and influence and his governmental structure, but there's something in him that desires God. Do you know why that is? Because God has put a a hole, a vacuum-shaped hole inside of every person that only he can fill. And God, Jesus said, no man comes into the Father unless the Father draws him. No person, no man or woman comes to God. You didn't find God one day. It was God working in your life circumstantially. God working in your life providentially. God doing things in your life that you realize that you had a need for something greater, for something better. You had a need for him. And this Ethiopian, he's on his way to worship. He's a seeker of God. One scholar said that, That for this Ethiopian, it was probably because in in this time frame, in this period, the the Gentile world, the pagan world, their forms of worship were so weird that he found some kind of solace and peace, even in the Judaistic system, their, their structure of worship. There was something peaceful, something that resonated as being real, that there was one true God. See, the heart of God and the heart of God. The heart of God from the very beginning. In Acts chapter 17, the Bible says his purpose was for the nations to seek after him and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. He's not far from any of us. He's not far from your neighbor. He's not far. See, Philip was on the road. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden, he hears something. I want you to look at this next verse, number 30 and 31. The Bible says that, that he ran. He ran to the chariot in obedience to the angel's voice. The Bible says that Philip ran into the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. He's, 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 he gets this message. From this messenger, from this angel that tells him to go this direction. And as he's going this direction, he sees a man, he hears a man reading the book of Isaiah. Bam! You know, sometimes what happens in our life, we're just going around our life, and we're not really looking around at what's happening in us in the spiritual. I went to Jamaica last week, two weeks ago. and One of the things that I realized when I was in Jamaica was very sensitive to my environment. Because every place that I went it was the first time that I'd ever been there before. This pastor was taking me down the city. He goes, do you want to go over here? I said, I don't care. I'd go anywhere because I'd never been there before. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. I don't know what's here. And I also realized the spiritual environment. I found it so easy for me to witness when I was in Jamaica. So easy for me to talk to a guy. I was just standing there at this little kind of uh, this jerk chicken stand. And, and I'm waiting for my food. And the security guard's standing there. And I just start a conversation with him. I found there's something about when I get into a different environment, I find it easier to talk to people about spiritual things. You know why that is? Because you're just more aware. You're just like more aware because everything around you is different and new. I mean, when you go to the same place, you go to the same grocery stores, you go to the same job, you're not thinking of yourself as a missionary. You're not thinking of yourself as a minister. I'm not thinking of myself as, I don't walk around with a Pastor Eugene sign on, you know? And I just got to go to, my, I want to go to, my wife wants to go to Aldi's, I want to go to Costco. You know I mean? That's what I'm thinking at the moment. Right? And this, the Bible says that Philip ran. He ran to the chariot in obedience to the angel's command. He ran into his destiny. God spoke to him. And when God speaks to you, you've got two choices. You can either run or you can do nothing. Now, sometimes we kind of stumble into them, you know what I'm talking about? We're like come on, Maybe you fill is prompting you've got to open door to talk to somebody about your faith or invite somebody to church, and you're not really sure. You get the big question, we put the big question mark bubble, you know. Should I talk to them? Are they going to be offended? Well, all the kinds of things that go through your mind. Come on, right? And then, you know, you, you don't do it. You have to go, dang, I missed that opportunity. Like, you know, that was a moment. That was a moment. And we all have those moments. We all experience them. But when Philip, I mean, now listen, an angel comes to you. I mean, you still got a choice, but you're probably running fast to do what he tells you to do. You're probably so scared out of your witch. Like, wow, all right. But he runs to this man. This man's in a chair and he's reading the scriptures. He's reading the Bible. And so we see the activity of God in this man's life is first, we see that there's a desire for him to worship. There's a desire for him to worship. And there's also a desire for him to know God, to read the scriptures. One of the indicators to me of a person's spiritual growth is that there's some kind of desire for worship, to know God. And then also to discover who God is through his Bible. Uh, Years ago, I was talking to I was just standing out in the parking lot where I lived at this apartment complex. And I was talking to this guy. And I knew the guy He was living with this girl. And he was a partier. And. You know, I mean, I didn't think any kind of spirituality of his life. And I started to talk to him about my faith. And all of a sudden, he said, oh, I read my Bible every day. I'm like, wow. I real, at that moment, I realized that guy was a lot closer to God than I thought. God was working in that person's life. And I would have never even thought it. And you don't know what's happening in somebody's life. You don't know what's ta- You see them from the outside. They might be mean. They might be caustic. They might be foul-mouthed. They might be perverted. But you don't know what's happening in their deepest heart. You don't know what's happening when they're laying there at night alone in bed. Just wondering, what am I doing here on earth? You don't know. Come on, maybe some of you have been that same place. You were far from God. This man, he wasn't a follower of God, but there was a desire in him to worship the one true God. And he was reading the book of Isaiah. And here's the question. <laughs> here's the question that Philip asked him. Do you understand what you're reading? Now, if you, one of the brothers came in right before this service, and he had a question for me from the book of Exodus about Moses' encounter with God and some of the things that happened in Moses' life. And he says, so what do you think? I said, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, if you read this book and don't have a few questions, <laughs> come on. If you, don't, if you read this book and don't have some questions, you're not reading the book. But how could this guy understand? wasn't his background. Philip uses some tact, uses some wisdom. You notice he doesn't talk about politics. He doesn't ask him about the Ethiopian structure of government and what party he belongs to. notice that, right? Come on. He's not getting into argument about public policy and things that are taking place in the day. That's not what he's doing. He uses some tact. Do you understand what you're reading? The man says, how can I understand unless someone tells me? How can I understand unless someone tells me? So, so he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. One of the ways that you know that God, one of the ways that you know that God is working in your life to share your faith, to invite someone to church, to show some expression of what God has done in you to someone else is if they invite you to come into your world. One of the hardest things for us to do is what we call cold call evangelism. I've done a lot of it. I've done a lot of door knocking. My wife knocked, and I, we've knocked on thousands of people's doors. And it's never easy. You always got to have some kind of hook. But I got to tell you, it's probably the thing you dread the most as a Christian. Like, I've got to actually, like, just go to the mall and find someone and start talking about Jesus and they don't want to talk to me. Right? Come on, true. If you really were on we got really bare wire in the room. Isn't that true? But that's not what happens. This guy invites Philip into his world. And one of the ways that you know someone's going to be open to you this week when you hand out a card and invite them to church is that, that you have a relationship with them. They've already invited you into their world. They've already talked to you. You got a coworker that sits, you know, in the cubicle next to you, or you got a neighbor next door that you shared recipes with, or whatever it is, there's already some kind of common bond or unity or something that, that they kinda like you. It's one of the ways that you know. And Philip was invited by this man to come. Up into his chariot, and and as we see, Philip begins to explain to him the gospel. This man had a need in his life. We don't know we don't know what was taking place in his personal life, but everyone has a need today. Everyone has a need. One day I was driving down the road and I saw a man. It was in the inner city of Seattle, and, and I saw this man. He was just curled up in a ball, and he had a, there was a crack pipe that was laying right next to him. All I just had this overwhelming sense You know what that man was looking for? He was looking for God It was just overwhelming I actually started to cry You know what? He was looking for God He was looking for something to fill The emptiness of his soul I was able to share my story Thursday night at Celebrate Recovery And I'm so grateful We had an awesome time Come on, give Celebrate Recovery a big hand We had an awesome time you know, but I've been around lots of different kinds of people in my life. I've been around the poorest of the poor. I've been around the brokenness of the brokenest, And I've been around the richest of the rich. You know what I realize that everyone has a need for Jesus. I mean, I've been in the streets with the addicts, but I've sat next to the president of the, some of the largest corporations of the world. I remember not too long ago, I was having dinner with a very famous individual. And the person sitting next to me was the president of a multi-billion dollar company. It was he and his wife, and I just spent the whole night talking about the Lord, and I couldn't believe how open he was because everybody has a need. There's a hunger. There's a hunger. You might not recognize it today. You might not recognize where that person is in your life. See, we just see their external shell. There's a God who works beyond that because he's created that shell to be a temple for his spirit to live and dwell. No man comes to the Father unless the spirit draws him, and that's exactly what was taking place here. One of the purposes of this story is that God arranges supernatural encounters with strangers in order for us to share with them the good news. God arranges it. God arranges it. I want you to look at verse number 31 again. See, this man needed an adequate explanation of who Jesus was. He was reading the prophet Isaiah 53. It's the great messianic passage of the Old Testament. As a matter of fact... As a matter of fact, in the church, in the church from this time time forward, this passage of who Jesus is from the Old Testament, the prophecies concerning this coming Messiah, it starts right here. Uh, his virgin birth, Isaiah 53, born of a virgin. Lived a sinless life. Bruised and battered and beaten on a cross, Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was, he was bruised for our iniquities and by his stripes were made whole. There in the, right there in the book of Isaiah, this messianic promise that God would send a Savior. This man was looking for Jesus. And this guy had an adequate witness. He, you know what I love about Philip? He was just ready to share. Gotta be honest, I'm not always ready to share. But that's what God's doing in our church. He's empowering us. So we'll have an adequate witness. Who is Jesus? Come on, who is Jesus? Do you know what the Bible says about Jesus? Do you know that bible talks about his sinless life he was god one of the reasons that jesus did so many miracles wasn't just to be a magic show worker but to prove his divinity to prove who he really was he was god's son who came from heaven and he lived a sinless life you know jesus was perfect in every way you know for yourself you really know from scriptures you know what the bible says about jesus there's only one way to know it you got to read it you got to study it for yourself Philip just laid out the plan of salvation, who Jesus was from the Old Testament. Took him all the way to the cross. but Jesus didn't just die and stay there. And Jesus rose from the dead. He really did. He's alive. Oh, I was made for loving. We were singing and worshiping. You know what you felt in here today? Maybe you don't know Jesus here today. You did feel something. Come on. You did feel something. I... I sometimes when you're in the middle of it you know you don't really recognize it but I, I walked in Wednesday night and Pastor Glenn had just finished preaching the story of Ananias and Sapphira he's a couple weeks behind me in the youth but he preached a story, a story of Ananias and Sapphira and he talked about the fear of the Lord and I came in and the place was almost empty but the worship team was still singing there were people at the altar and I could just feel I could feel it you can feel it the presence of Jesus he's real he's alive he's risen just as he said. <laughs> He's here today. Come on, you're not bringing people to a religion. You're not bringing them to a building or to a church. You're bringing them so they can encounter Jesus. Come on, you're like those four guys, five guys that are carrying their buddy, you know, who's lame and sick. They tear open the roof of the mat. and do whatever they can, uh, the roof of the the building so they can drop this man down on a mat so that Jesus can eat. That's what you're doing when you invite your friends. That's what you do when you invite people that don't know Christ? And Easter is the perfect time to do it. There's no better time in all the church. You now we do something here. We call it a hook. We call it a hook. It's a big day. We make Easter a big day because it's a big day to God. And in our community, you'll have people in your neighborhood that'll never go to church. But you tell them, hey, "We got something for your kids. We got something." For we we'll we're gonna have a special message entitled Easter Changed Everything. We're gonna kick off Easter Sunday. We're gonna take a little break from the Book of Acts. and We're gonna do a series called Modern Family, and I'm gonna talk about how God works in the family and the role of the husband and the wife, and which is so needed in our culture today. Come on, so needed. People are so confused about who God is and how God created us and with unique roles and responsibilities. We talk about the family, our kids. We talk about being sanctified We about all those things. going to have a great opportunity. You're going to hear some stories next week of people whose lives have been changed here at City Church. and That's going to be moving and powerful. We're believing. We're believing that people are going to be introduced to Jesus, just like this this, this Ethiopian eunuch. This man was seeking the truth. I love what Philip says. And Philip, from that very passage of Scripture, began to tell him the good news about Jesus. Come on, everyone, say good news. It's good news. He's the hope of the world. Come on, I'm asking God to open my eyes. I'm asking God to open your hearts. This guy takes us. It's so evident. God is working this man's life. I mean, as soon as he hears the story, let's get baptized. I'm praying that that's what happens. Like we have to open. As soon as people get saved next week, we've got to open the baptismal tanks and and we get people dunked. We get, we're good Baptists here. We've got to get water on the brain. We believe getting them baptized because it seals the work that God has begun in their life. Come on, we just got to get them in the water. The moment they profess, we know that God's doing something in their life. They're taking their next step. We're celebrating that next step. We're celebrating the next step, that people taking God. The supernatural life doesn't just change me. But the fruit is, is that the lives of others are changed around me. And that's exactly what God wants to do through you as a minister of Jesus Christ. Here's a challenge. I want you to listen up. I want to say, listen up. Come on, listen up. Listen to the voice of God's Spirit. Just come on, just open up a little bit this week. Just open up. Job, I know you would do kind of the same things, but listen up. Listen to what people around you are saying. Is there something in their life you can just kind of tell there's an openness? Look around. <laughs> Keep your spiritual eye open this week and see what God is doing around you. What kind of questions are people asking? I want, I want to encourage you the third thing here. Read your Bible. Just read your Bible. Philip was able to tell this man about Jesus because he knew Isaiah 53. He knew this passage. You know, backwards and forwards. He you knew the scriptures. What challenges we get into the Word. If you don't know, if you're really for yourself, you don't really know who Jesus is, and you couldn't just tell somebody really simply what Jesus did for you. I want you to make a challenge this week. It's really simple. All kinds of stuff. Go to gotquestions.com on the internet. I mean, there's just so many websites that'll help you. All right, here's the deal I want you to take this piece of paper. This is our altar call today. Can I have one of those? a blank on One of those All right. Good Friday. 7 o'clock. We start our Easter weekend. Believers. We talk about the cross. We take communion. Pastor Glenn will be leading that service. It will be a powerful service. Here's a, you know, I know it's time for family and stuff, but we're followers of Jesus. Let's make this a holy weekend. Can we do that? Make it a holy weekend in your family. Make it holy. At what it is. I mean, we're reflecting. Good Friday is a great time to reflect on the cross. What it cost Jesus for you to be saved, for your friends to be saved. And then we kick it off. Then we go right into it 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock Saturday, 8 30, 10, and 11.30. 30. I want you to write down the names of at least two people that you already know in your world. And I don't, you have to do it right now. But I want you to pray today that for two people, it's all just two. If every person just invited two, oh my goodness, we wouldn't be able to continue. Challenge you this week. Oh. This last week there's a girl that's right across the street from us. And my neighbor on one side, I got a Muslim family on the other side. I got a couple of girls that are that are living another kind of lifestyle. And, and, and then I got this family this couple living across the street, they're living together. They're like so kind. They're just so open. Like of all the time that I live in this neighborhood, they've been the most open to me. Most open to my life. I'm praying. God, let this be the moment. you got somebody in your neighborhood. you got somebody in your job. My job is here. And I know most of you. And, you know, it's good. But you do that this way. You pray, God. Two people. Two people. that You can take a card. We've got these little invite cards. And, and you can invite them. We probably have some other cards around here if you don't want to hand out one of these Easter egg ones. We've got all kinds of cards around here to invite people. I want you to close your eyes. That's your challenge, church. That's your challenge this morning. You know, if you're here this morning, talk to Christians primarily this morning. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I got to tell you, it's good news. <laughs> oh, he changed. He changed me. He loves you, and he wants to change you. We're not going to make this long at this moment. But you're here today, and you know you're far from Jesus. You know you don't have a relationship. You're like this like this Ethiopian eunuch, you got questions. You haven't encountered him yet. You really haven't encountered him. But you're here this morning. You want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. When I count the three, I want you to raise your hand. We're going to pray with you this morning. One, two, three. Come on, anyone in this room right now? In this room. All right. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person that's in this room. God, we, every person here is a minister. Every person here is saying they know you and they have a relationship with I pray that you release us to be the empowered church in this city. God, we are believing for great miracles. We're believing for salvations of our neighbors. We're believing for our friends, co-workers, family members, people who are outside of faith today. God, I pray that you release us to be the empowered church that you've called us to be. I'm asking for supernatural surprises, miracles, unexpected encounters, doors to be opened as we pray and as we ask you, the Lord of the harvest, the Lord of the harvest to go before us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Hey, can we give Pastor a hand today? <laughs> and um, before we before we're dismissed today, we want to give you the chance to, to